welcome to another episode of 11 Personnel, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez. With me is my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Doing well, Jordan. Welcome to the West Coast. Thank you. I made it. 37 hours in the car. I had shared a little bit of this on Twitter, but I did sleep in my car one day. I know there were some 11 personnel fans that were curious about how my trip went. I'm trying to block out all memories of it. <laughs> so <laughs> That's 2020 um, in a nutshell, isn't it, really? Right, exactly. Yeah. And But the important thing is I made it safe. I made it, uh, I think in record time, it wasn't quite a straight shot all the way through, but I, I made it in two and a half days. So I'm very proud of that. Um, it, it did mess up my schedule, uh, and for the next two weeks, so (laughs) in terms of my internal clock. So, um, but I'm here, I made it, I'm excited. Now the question is, is, are we going to see training camp happen on schedule? And as we know, rookies are supposed to report, on July 21st and veterans would report on the 28th, but whether that's actually going to happen, California shutting things back down, um, essential personnel, not being, not reporting to work, et cetera, et cetera. You have to wonder, you know, the Rams are ready to open at that point, had had kept everyone for the most part away from their offices and wanted to start at Cal Lutheran, had reconfigured their locker room setup, have to have extra lockers in the media room and outside because of space constraints. You want to keep everyone six feet apart. So I don't know how this is going to work. The NFL and the NFLPA are butting heads and, and everything is jarring right now. And I don't know how it's going to work. I know that there are there's so many things to consider, including new face masks from Oakley that the Rams are trying out with the chargers to see if that can help um, sort of prevent that droplet spread that everyone worries about. There's going to be restrictions on tier one, tier two personnel, tier three personnel. We will try to be there, but I'm not sure how any of it's going to work. So um, it's going to be interesting. But basically what I'm getting at is we are going to do this episode and the next episode as if training camp is going to happen. And we are optimistic that it will. We're assuming that it will. We're doing position analyses. All right. I'm, I'm ready. It's, uh, it feels like forever since we've actually seen football players on a field. I, I have a vague memory of covering the Rams' last game. I, it could be a fever dream. I'm not sure. Uh, but, you know, we didn't have the benefit of any OTAs. We, we didn't, weren't able to kind of see how the depth chart might, might shake out. So I, I can't remember, Jordan, another season where there were this many questions uh, this many things that we didn't know coming into a training camp. So in some ways that's frustrating, but in other ways I think it makes it very interesting for us uh, because there's there's a lot to debate and a lot to talk about. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, when you have so much unknown, it's a coming into a season if you're a team, you can say what you want about Jared Goff's contract, his sort of um, slight regression last year, his need for consistency, whatever. You could say all those things. I will tell you what, if you're a head coach of an NFL football team, you are so grateful that you have a franchise quarterback right now and that you don't have to bring along a rookie starting potential starting quarterback at this point because you have such a truncated season. So um, I want to get started with Jared Goff. There is a ra- there is a depth chart here uh, for the Rams quarterbacks with John Walford, Bryce Perkins, and Josh Love sort of backing everything up. But let's start with Goff. He's kind of on a mission, Rich, I, w- I would say. Yeah, I, I think so. It's definitely a prove-it uh, season for him. I, I think he understands that. He, he's a responsible guy. He, he knows what comes along with signing that huge contract that, that he signs. I don't think it's, I don't think it weighs on him necessarily, but, but I, I think he's mindful of it. Uh, and you know, the, he's in a position to, to have better success. I mean, basically everything that could have gone wrong for Jared Goff last year went wrong. I mean, the running game was non-existent. The offensive line had issues, especially at the start of the season. He was dealing with yet another new position coach, which he will have another one this year. And frankly, he didn't respond well to those things himself. It's not just all 
circumstantial things. I mean, Jarrett himself was was not what he needed to be, did not make the decisions that, that he needed to be. So I think what we've seen is they've improved or at least stabilized those those situations around Jared. And now I think it's up to him to, to take all of that and to make those necessary improvements that, that he needs to make. Yeah, they're, it's almost like they're trying to help him exist in a vacuum. And I think like you said, if you can make all of the variables around you as consistent and stable as possible, then you really see what you have. And so this, this is twofold to me because the first part is, yes, they are married to Jared for the next few years at the, at the least because of the contract, right? However, Sean McVay is not the guy who brought Jared in in the first place. And so for him, it's like, okay, I, I know who this guy is and I know what I have. Can he be more? And when you can create sort of a vacuum where all of the variables are consistent and all the variables are the same for for this guy, then you can really see sort of in depth whether they can evolve, whether they can take the next step. And so with Jared, I think what's so important, it's what's going to be so important with him, when, especially when he's working with offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell, who will spend most, much of his time, not most, but much of his time in the quarterback's room coaching Jared and and the other guys is can he adjust better adjust more creatively take more ownership and more autonomy of what he sees in the offense and and sort of play off of that creatively and successfully in accordance with what he's seeing and how things are how the play is sort of breaking down what I mean by that is without somebody in his ear what can Jared Goff do with this offense? The first part of that is how do you take ownership of that? How do you really dive into it and really th- say, this isn't Sean McVay's offense that I'm a system quarterback in. I want people to start calling this my offense that I run. And that's a, just seems like a difference in language, but it's really a difference in the thought process. And I think that's a really important thing for Jared to take a command of. And that, you know, when I talked with Kevin O'Connell on our on our conference call, um, in the spring, that was something that he just kept repeating. And I'm like, okay, so this has been a buzzword in meetings clearly. And, and I wonder how they do that. And, and like you said, they are making things around him easier, but if you exist in a vacuum and you just stay the same, then you are never going to take that next step. So that's really important for Jared this year is if you have everything around you stable and you're still not taking that step forward, then that's a big problem for the Rams. But the other thing I want to point out is I don't have any I don't have any reason to think that he won't take the step forward. I mean, I just I don't have any reason to believe that. It's not like he's this erratic always injured guy like he's just kind of there all the time you know so I have no reason to believe that he won't take that step forward I I agree and I I think what people need to remember is he was right on the doorstep of that in in 2018 obviously he he takes them to the Super Bowl everything that we talked about from on the field it was all there you you you're just kind of waiting for him to do exactly what you just talked about Jordan to really kind of take ownership to show that that he was a leader. Jared was still very young at that point. I mean, he was only in his second year as as a starter. And and at that point, you thought, okay, the on-field stuff is there. He can make Mm -hmm. the throws. He can take a team to the Super Bowl. He's just got to take that next step now. He's just got to, you know, progress into being really having that ownership of the offense, ownership of the team. And what happened in 2019 is everything just took a step backward instead. Again, not only Jared, but so many things with that offense. And, and I would even say the coaching staff, too, in a way. So mm-hmm. now what is, where does that put them? I don't know. Is he now two steps away from where he needs to be? Or can he just take one big step there? I, I tend to think that's that's what it is. I, I tend to think that the that the on-field stuff can, can come back pretty quick. Uh, it's more of that kind of ownership and that leadership. Uh, and even maybe just psychologically for Jared, just knowing mm-hmm. that in his own mind, that, that he has the ability to do that and the willingness to do that and everything else. I, I, I think that's almost more of a, a internal thing that, that then maybe projects itself to the rest of the team. So I think it's there, but the Rams definitely need to help uh, bring that out of Jared. Yeah, and and the other thing that will be so crucial, especially with the Rams depth chart, the way that it looks is keeping him healthy, um, 
probably away from other people as much as possible. Because if he gets sick uh, and, you know, I don't want to jinx any player and obviously we don't wish this on any person, let alone any player. But if anyone gets sick on this team and particularly your starting quarterback in a depth chart situation where you have sort of unproven guys behind you, you have a big problem and you have to this this thing has an a incubation period that you can't you might be out you might be out two days you might be out two weeks god forbid you get sick you might be out longer and so and then you have to be away from everybody else and so they don't have proven backups on this roster they don't John Walford I know everybody you know the coaching staff is so high on him everyone really likes to talk about how bright he is and and how he can move with the ball and um you know he can run the offense but he's still unproven and then you have you know Bryce Perkins who you know uh I I really like because um we're from the same hometown (laughs) so um but I think that in a perfect world Sean McVay wants John Wolford to be sort of his backup that we would think never really has to get in the game. And Bryce Perkins can come in in like a Taysom Hill package because um, that's the trend. And we, we talked in this in our position analysis of the quarterback's room and the depth chart is like, yes, the NFL is all about trends. And Sean McVay was the guy who set all the trends a couple of years ago. And you see people start to follow the sort of patterns and things that he was doing. But there's also a trend that's kind of being whispered about in all of these NFL circles that started back at the combine when people are all talking about what kinds of players they're going to bring in. And that's, could we bring in a Taysom Hill type and use him in the same way sort of the Saints used Taysom Hill could we use that guy for different wrinkle situations and to sort of um, put defenses on their backs essentially every once in a while, just throw something completely different at them? Um, I like that idea. I don't know how much you can dive that deeply into a playbook this season when you're just sort of trying to stay afloat is, is the sense that I'm getting now from teams is like we're all just trying to go along as we go along. Um but I really like Bryce Perkins as a prospect. I mean, the dude can sling it, first of all, um, and he's really versatile. And that's something that Sean McVay has to kind of be seeing as, as a guy who could really develop. And so not only do I think that Kevin O'Connell is important in, in bringing Jared Goff along, but also a couple of these younger guys that they have on the roster are very, very intriguing in terms of what their development trajectory can be. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think they definitely have something in mind for Bryce Perkins. I, I don't know when or, or what exactly, uh, but I, I think they've got their eye on something interesting there. Now, if 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 Jared were to sustain any type of issue, whether it's you know a football injury or a COVID situation or whatever, I don't know. I really don't know, Jordan. I don't, you know, they're high on John Wofford. I understand, you know, he's done good things in in training camp preseason. He's never had a meaningful snap in the NFL. And I'm not, I'm not down on the guy. I'm not saying he couldn't do it. I wonder, this is just me talking. It's not me reporting anything. You know, Blake Bortles is still not signed with anybody. Uh, I I wonder if, if there would be a situation where, you know, let's say something happened in week two with Jared Goff? Do you, do you just instead, you know, go outside to, to, to somebody like a Blake Bortles or somebody who could maybe more easily step in? Uh, be, because I, I don't know, if you're turning your team over to, to John Wofford early in the season, uh, it's it's certainly not going to be the same team. And, and I don't know what your expectations really are uh, until Jared Goff come, comes back. But yeah, fascinated. This is one of those things I would have loved to have seen you know, a Bryce Perkins and an I OTAs, know. you know, to, know, to see what he can can do on the field. So so hopefully we get a little taste of that in training camp because uh, I, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Before we get to receivers, I'll give you my hot take, Rich. My hot take okay. is I, I think that Sean McVay and his staff would rather keep John Walford as the start. Like, got, you know, if anything happens to Goff in terms of he has to incubate for a little while, whatever, um, They'd rather keep John Walford as the starter than go out and sign anybody else and bring them into this like very uh, weird and sanitized space that they're going to be operating in. <laughs> I think that I think that um, I keep hearing this 
saying, and you heard this a lot when like Cam Newton went unsigned was a lot of these GMs and a lot of these coaches would rather lose with quote unquote their guy than maybe potentially take a risk on a guy they don't know and maybe win. Like they'd rather have the the constant of having their guy. And we know that John Walford is really, really popular within the organization. And so I really, that's my hot take. I think they'd rather have John Walford starting then go out and sign somebody um, off the street. Uh, because again, I think this whole season is a wash, essentially. Like I, yeah. I'm an optimist, but I really think, we talked about this even when I joined the beat, Rich, was like, this might be a redshirt season for everybody. Yeah. Um, so on that a really extraordinarily positive note. <laughs> <laughs> it's all meaningless. I know, nothing yeah. matters, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, whoever the quarterback is, he's gotta throw the ball. Uh, guys have to catch the ball. We have... I think one of the more underrated receivers groups in the National Football League to talk about right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and it's it's maybe seems odd to say that when you talk about the fact that they took Brandon Cooks uh, out of that room, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a lot there. And the, there's the thing that I like about that group when you're talking about Cooper Cup. Robert Woods, uh, Josh Reynolds, bringing in Van Jefferson, you know, a couple other young guys, unproven guys. The versatility of that group is mm-hmm. is what really, really strikes me. I mean, these are not guys who are just limited, you know, to one route tree or one position that they can play. Uh, these are guys who can move all over the place and have done it for for a long period of time. Uh, I can't. I hope just you know from a football fan standpoint, I want to see a healthy Cooper Cup for an entire season right. uh, as kind of the lead guy, just to see what he can do. I, I think there's so much potential there, Jordan. Yeah, Cooper Cup. So here's how I know that Cooper Cup is ready to tee off on somebody this season. He's posting the classic workout clips where it's like this is. Again, like I learned so much about, um, you know, where a guy's mindset is and everything from covering Cam Newton, who wears his heart on his sleeve, wears his mind on his sleeve for so long. Cooper Cup is out here posting the like the big time workout videos and uh, the 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 clips, you know, the the photos from the workout. And it's very Cooper Cup as well. It's it's like his kids in the background running around. Like it's just really it's like this is a family event, and that's very Cooper Cup. Right. Um, I think he's re- I think he's really ready to try to tee off on on somebody this this year. And I think you know obviously he's got millions and millions of reasons to do so um, because you know he's due for a contract. And the Rams, I you know Rich, I just. I moved into this really gorgeous apartment out here and I'm very, very grateful. I would bet it that I would put my apartment as the betting line um, as to the Rams wanting to sign him and, and retain him for long a long-term career with them. Like, I think he, they want him to retire a Los Angeles Ram. That's what I think. Yeah, and, I, I, yeah, I yeah, no, yeah, you're And, and so I, I think that, that that's so important because not only – does he have to have so I think the contract I think the contract is is I think it's going to happen like I think it's a a constant at this point it's just a matter of when they have to obviously free up some money do a lot of different things see how the season plays out in the first place and and free up money etc etc um there's our gratuitous cat mention yay Rams um so um and so they have to do all of these things first right well Cooper the more he can stay healthy and consistent and and the longer he can do so this season, the higher that number is and the higher that money number is that's coming in, staying healthy and playing through the year. And I think like we already know he's going to get the contract. I think that what he does specifically, I think in the first part of this season will absolutely set the high watermark for the money that he brings in. And so um, I think he could be due for a massive deal. And I, and, and like we said, like, I really do believe that this franchise would like him to be a Los Angeles Ram for his entire career. 
Yeah, I mean, what a situation for the Rams here with Cooper Cup because I, I mean, what you absolutely want is is for him to to develop into that cornerstone of the offense, and that's somebody I absolutely think he can be. I mean, he mm-hmm. has the trust of Jared Goff, he has the trust of Sean McVay. Uh, he's when healthy, he has produced at an outstanding level. So if you're the Rams, you're sitting there looking at that and saying. Gosh, we hope this can all come together. We hope he can, you know, be that guy who we can build around. But when that happens, the the dollar amount just goes up and up right. and up, and it's like <laughs> so, you know, you, you're kind of playing against yourself because you want that to happen. But but the more that it happens, the more that you're going to have to pay this guy. But Jordan, I I agree. You 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 want it. That's that's a great. Uh, a situation to have to deal with because I, I do think he's a guy in terms of the makeup, in terms of the talent, in terms of the versatility. Uh, he, he's a guy you can build around for a long time. And, and I definitely think of, of all the decisions the Rams face over the next uh, maybe year or two, uh, I think that's that's the easiest one to make. Well, and then it comes twofold because this very, very easy decision to extend Cooper comes with a very tough one. And that is, do you also extend Robert Woods? And Robert Woods is coming off of his second consecutive thousand yard season. He and Cooper Cup have been a fantastic tandem of weapons for Jared Goff. Um, But he he Robert Woods could very feasibly go out and get paid some, somewhere else. The problem is, do you let, you know, your homegrown guy who has been such a leader for you and been such a guiding veteran presence, do you do you release him before he kind of starts to ease into the downhill of his career, which I don't, by the way, just let me be clear, I don't think he's close to that. I think in the next five years, you start to talk about, okay, when when is he going to hit the downhill part? Right. Um, but right now, I mean, that's the thing. You see that happen, um, you know, a lot of times with, with successful teams is they cut the guys before they start to hit the downhill. And so I wonder I wonder about Robert Woods because the the Rams might be – trying to overcorrect certain financial decisions they've made in the past with players. And when you extend Cooper Cup, which you will extend Cooper Cup, and then you talk about extending Jalen Ramsey on the other side of the ball, um, you you kind of have Robert Woods who, where where does he fit? And, and he could feasibly command, you know, a healthy amount of money. And if you extend him, you're not going to just do it a year because why would he take just a year if he could go somewhere else, for right. example? Right. Um, and, and like, so it, it's just a complicated situation. And, and like the tandem of the two, you, you want to try to keep that intact because it is so, so good. But you also drafted Van Jefferson, who's kind of the heir apparent to a Robert Woods type of player. Um it's just, I mean, or, I mean, honestly, or even to a Cooper Cup type of player, but like really Robert Woods sure. being clo- like, you know, Robert Woods being the older player, we, we sort of start to see is, is Van Jefferson ultimately going to be the replacement? Um, and you hope, you know, you, you want to see, you want to see what they, you can do with all three of those guys on the field at once. And you will get a chance to do that, uh, allegedly this season, <laughs> but what, what is it? who is the odd man out and really it's it looks like Robert Woods um once the money comes around and once people start talking extensions it it does Jordan I, I know fans probably won't won't be happy to hear yeah, that but, I know but you, I hate to say it <laughs> yeah but you, you have to be uh, on some level you have to be kind of you know emotionally distant about it and mm-hmm. you, you know you look at it you know Robert will be 29 after after this uh, season ends like you said Jordan you don't look at that and say he's 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 uh, you know the production's going down now or anything like that but you, you have to look at it from from two ways you know Robert's going to be 29 he's he's going to be looking at his future he he knows he will probably have one more good contract uh, in him. So, uh, you know, is he going to be giving the Rams any kind of discount because he's a hometown guy? I don't know. Maybe. I, I guess that happens from, from time to time, but I, I don't think they should count on a, on a significant one. Yeah. And then again, just from the Rams perspective, uh, do you want to uh, commit to that? How long do you want to commit to that for uh, when you when you're already 
presumably going to be paying Cooper Cup, uh, like we're talking about. And and then, you know, I think Van Jefferson kind of becomes the hinge to all this. What mm-hmm. can he become? Uh, there, there's been a lot of projection on him now over the last three months. What, you know, who he could be, what positions he could fill, who he might emulate. Uh, but I, I think his development over the next year, hopefully, will inform a lot of that. Is he going to be ready to step in for, for Robert Woods? with with a similar level of, of production. And, and if he is, as much as I hate to say it, it the, the smart move is, is probably to move on for, to that younger, much more controllable uh, uh, player. Yeah, and you know, the problem too is, and, and it doesn't have to be a problem, but if, we ta- if we're talking in, in the words of sort of analytically minded people who study the league, it is a problem because you, you have to... Now you have the massive quarterback contract that you have to build around. And so you have to pick and choose who your cheap players are going to be versus who your quote unquote mid-range to expensive guys are going to be. And you also have Aaron Donald on the other side who, yes, he can be restructured and we'll get to that in the next episode. But you have to now start making these really tough decisions because you have a quarterback who's taking up so much of your salary cap over the next several years. And so that, you know, that's not something that they were um, naive to. They knew that they were going to, if by doing so, by giving Jared Goff this kind of money, that they were going to have to start making those decisions. It means that you cannot pay two number one receivers. You can only pick one. And and you might even have to wait <laughs> until the until the new league year and the money frees up to pay that one you know what i mean so it's it's um it's going to be interesting and then you get to you know you kind of go down the depth chart and you you see okay well how do all these layers start to happen i think it's really easy to visualize how cooper cup and robert woods can can fit together on the field cuz we've been watching it for the last couple of years um, and then you have Josh Reynolds come in and Van Jefferson, who's unproven, obviously, as the rookie, but, um, you know, kind of probably that Swiss Army knife type of player because he is he is such a route specialist. He had he's been running a full route tree for years and years and is very, very good at it. Very technical. So they're going to try him out at a, a few different spots. They're going to see where he succeeds. And that's kind of what it means to be a rookie. Um, but also Josh Reynolds. He's he's still somewhat unproven, but there's so much promise there. And they're going to ask him to stretch the field a little bit for him. Yeah, and we've seen glimpses of it. The consistency just hasn't been there. And whether or not that's just because he hasn't had the opportunities consistently, I'm sure that's not easy for a young player uh, to, to not get on the field a whole lot. And then when you do get on the field, it's like, you know, the pressure is 10 out of 10. Uh, so I, I'm sure that was not easy for, for Josh at times. I think he's going to be put in a role here uh, that will allow him to thrive. It'll give him the opportunity to thrive. And and again, circling back, if, if the offensive line can give Jared Goff time and if Jared can make good decisions with the ball, then then I think the potential is is there for Josh. And, and if he can produce, then, you know, he's a guy who you could be you you'd be able to sign uh, resign for for not a lot of money, not as much as some of these other people uh, who we're talking about, and and you could get some production out of him. So I think that'll be a big emphasis just to kind of see you know what the ceiling is for Josh Reynolds because we've seen glimpses of it, but but we haven't seen it on a week to week basis yet. Yeah, and you know the the other thing that you and I are fascinated by is are you going to get that many opportunities? when we do believe they're going to be running a ton of 12 personnel this this season and I think that that is um I think that's a big question you have to now you're not only like they're facing all of these decisions I think this is a fascinating microcosm of what the big picture of the Rams are right now you're facing all of these decisions um, not just financially and not just sort of as a as a franchise as you determine what your direction will be the next few years, uh, whether your window is still open, et cetera. You're also having to make these sort of really tough decisions about who gets the football. I mean, right. like they're they have I mean, they have these great receivers and but but twelve personnel has was working for them. 
Um, and, and you have Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett and, you know, under the radar draft pick Bryson Hopkins. And now you have to kind of decide. I know we, we tell this joke all the time, like, man, are we going to have to change our podcast name? <laughs> right. No, there, there's so many variables here on, on every level. I mean, we just talked a lot about the wide receivers. But yeah, is it is it two tight end sets? And, and if so, which two tight ends? When, when you're talking about Higby, Gerald Everett, uh, Johnny Munt, Bryson Hopkins coming in. I mean, how do you sort out those four guys, even if you're talking about two tight end sets? Uh, and then the running backs, you know, what, mm-hmm. how, how do you sort that out? You've got basically three guys who... who could step in. Is it going to be a rotation? Are they going to be on the field at the same time sometimes? Uh, there's so much here. And, and I'm sure Sean McVay and, and Kevin O'Connell have spent you know hours and weeks uh, thinking about this and working on it. But wow, we just we don't know any of this. And, and it's not going to be we're probably not going to know until the first game uh, exactly. because we're not it going to see. It drives me crazy. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> it fun, but it's crazy. it's also so wild because I've never gone into a season, you know, not really knowing what we're going to see on the field. Yeah. And, you know, I want to talk hand in hand here about 12 personnel and also about Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson the running backs, because I don't think you can talk about one without the other. And what I mean by that is you can't, if you run, if you want to run a two back system, which I think, and I know there are some people and you can at me guys, people on Twitter who are like, (laughs) Sean McVay won't do that. I'm telling you guys, Mm. Sean McVay wants to do what wins some football games. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. This guy is not like your head coach. Who's just stuck in his ways. He's going to run his, you know, he's going to have his his workhorse back, and that's that's what Sean McVay does. I think that's what he has done. Um, but I really believe that Sean McVay looks around the league and he sees all of these little pieces that work on other teams. He sees his team take a step back last year, and he sees all of these little pieces that work for these other teams, these innovative things. And I'm talking specifically watching, um, you know, every offensive coach – watches Sean Payton in New Orleans and sees what he's doing and sees how he's he's sort of designing plays and all of these things and he watched Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara and how explosive that two-back system could be thousand thousand seasons for both of them um in the you know in the run and the pass and and they also helped the quarterback out dramatically in terms of giving him safety valves and taking pressure off an offensive line that was a little banged up those years and wasn't, you know, wasn't super consistent. I mean, you you really want to use a two-back system. You really want to use Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, um, you know, as sort of a one-two switch-it-up punch. Like, you want someone to be the power hitter at times and the other person to be the quick hit at times. And then you want to switch it up because both of those guys can do both of those those things. And I would say Daryl Henderson probably leaning a little bit more toward the shifty side. Um, and so you, you, want to, you want to try to do those things, but you also want to keep two tight ends on the field a lot. <laughs> but you also have three receivers who you really want to get the ball to. And so for me, I, I keep picturing in my head like McVeigh, and Kevin O'Connell sitting at this table and they're like, they can't see any of this. They can't watch these guys do any of this stuff. So what are they using? Like M&Ms? Like what are right. they doing? <laughs> they're like setting up M&Ms on the table. Like what? And, but it's, to me, this is so fascinating because you have to pick yeah. and you have to choose. And, and if you guess wrong, maybe you're always thinking to yourself, could I have been more explosive if I picked the other option? And so you can't talk about any one of these sort of sets of, of positions without talking about the other because they all are going to have to sort of orbit around the sun with the sun being Jared Goff. And it's going to be so interesting. That's, that's right. And, that, and that's why I think the importance of, of bringing in an offensive coordinator um, is is so big. I mean, Sean McVay. This is always going to be Sean McVay's offense, and I, I don't know whether he will ever give up play calling duties. I I don't see it happening right now. Uh, but but what he has now is somebody to just 
be there for him uh, to, to bounce ideas off of, to, to be another set of eyes and, and ears. And I, I think that'll help a lot uh, along the way. But, but Jordan, to your point, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think anything is off the table when, when you talk about Sean McVay, because I think all you need to do is look at Kyle Shanahan, you know, last year, would you have said coming into that year, or that job that, you know, Kyle Shanahan was a big fullback guy or that he was big <laughs> on, you know, a three backs uh, rotating system. No, I, I don't think you would have said that about, about Kyle, uh, but he, he used what he had yeah, and, and, and he adapted. And I think, I think maybe Sean learned a lesson from that. Not that he needed to learn anything from Kyle Shanahan, but, but I think he probably saw what was going on there and, and on some other teams and uh, look at it and go, Hey, you know what? You, you, you either adapt or, or teams start to pass you by. And, and I think you'll see some of that this year. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that that's something that specifically Sean McVay brings guys like Kevin O'Connell and Brandon Staley. And I want to, I know we're going to get to Brandon Staley in the next episode, but I want to say specifically here, he doesn't just bring those guys in because they can help him think of new things and stay innovative. Um, I think we, we put too much emphasis on the idea that a guy's system is always a guy's system. And that's what it is. We, we put too much of a structure around what a guy's system is really the best coaches in the league. They run a lot. Sure. They run a lot of foundational things, but those foundational things set up all of the variables and those variables are constantly changing and constantly evolving. And so that is how you continue to stay relevant in the National Football League, especially as an offensive coach. And and we're seeing like Sean McVay has this opportunity to redefine what it means to be sort of a cutting edge offensive coach in this new wave. And I think that I don't think he takes that lightly. And I think he thinks, oh, my gosh, I have so many options now. I'm going to try to use all of them. It's not like when you see some of these teams and you're like, why has that guy only gotten two looks this whole game? No, he's going to, I think, just try to use everybody. Right. And that's something that's so fascinating to me. And so then I come back to why he brings in Kevin O'Connell and why he brings in Brandon Staley. And he wants them to push him too. Yeah. Brandon Staley is not going to sit in any one of these practices and just be like, okay, run your, run your deal. Like we're going to be the scout team, whatever. Brandon Staley is going to be like, okay, how can we mess your plan up? <laughs> like, oh, exactly. like it's going to be so fascinating. And I know we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that next episode. But my point being is you can't talk about any of these positions. Um, specifically, I think too, running back and tight end. Um, you can't talk about those two position groups without you can't talk about one without talking about the other. And I think that, like I said, Cam Akers and, and Daryl Henderson provide such an exciting opportunity. Um, I, I, I want people like if your quarterback can't run and we know, <laughs> mm, yeah, we, we know that's the situation we're in. <laughs> um, <laughs> if your quarterback can't run, you have to, and you know that that a running quarterback or dynamic quarterback adds so many layers. You have to add those layers in another way, right? You have to add that extra layer of accountability for the defense in another way. And so, if you can have different styles of runner, aka two very two running backs who share similar abilities but have different styles, right. um, it takes a rhythm to defend each style and you can't get into that rhythm if they're switching it up on you, switching up speed, power, speed, power, speed, power. Um, and having these guys come out of the backfield and catch passes that adds at least two more layers of ability that a defense has to prepare for. And that's something that if you don't have that, you're literally just like, all right, well we can play tight because the quarterback's not going to extend the play. So now you, now you're looking at Cam Akers and you're looking at Daryl Henderson. You're like, how can they extend the play for me so that I don't have to just, sit here and wait for Goff to even either get rid of it or not if that makes sense it does yeah and that's I I would the only thing I would add to that I think you're 100% right is that I, I would just remind people that Cam Akers coming in is in no way an indictment of Daryl Henderson. Right. I know that happened a little bit after the draft where, you know, people said, well, why are you drafting a running back in the second round? You just drafted Daryl Henderson in the third round. Does that mean he's a bust? Does that mean he can't blah, blah, blah? No, it doesn't mean any of that stuff. It, it means that they drafted Cam Akers 
with exactly what you just said, Jordan, in mind. I mean, it's it's a hand glove situation, and they think all of these guys are going to fit together. Again, we have no idea what the numbers splits are going to be. You know, snaps, carries, touches, whatever it might be. I have no idea. No idea how it's going to sort out. But but what I do have a good feeling and sense about is that there there is a plan here for for these guys mm-hmm. and and they are going to complement each other across the board and uh, I, I'm fascinated to to see what it's going to look like because I don't think it'll look like anything we've seen from the Rams and Sean McVay over the previous three seasons. Right, and and I want people to stop thinking this is one of my biggest um, like beefs with football in general is I want people to stop thinking that a team, a system, a player, a position group has to be one thing or another thing. Right. It can be so many things at once. And a good coach, which I do believe the Rams have one of the best in the league right now, a good coach and good assistants understand how to make the fingers into a fist essentially and so yeah and and so I think fans need to stop thinking oh because because of x that means y is true no right at times x and y are both true and and work together uh to punch you in the mouth (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so, and so, I should get that on a T-shirt. I think, but absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Sean, Sean McVeigh, if you're listening, uh, I will sell you the rights to that. Um, right. So, but 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 obviously, Rich, like, and we talk about this all the time. It's like you know, so many things hinge on having the variables correct, and the biggest one that the Rams need to get right this year is is the offensive line. Well, that's just as true today <laughs> well. as it was 365 <laughs> days ago. I mean, I, in some ways, I think we could roll back a lot of the things that that, that we were saying. And yeah, I will I will kind of preface it with uh, the, the, some of the similar language that I've used, which is that I, I think all the puzzle pieces are there. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, of putting them together. I know a lot of Rams fans have said, you know, why didn't they upgrade? Why didn't they make a trade? Why didn't they bring in a free agent? Why didn't they draft somebody uh, early on? I, I'm I'm going to stay on top of the hill and, and defend this one in saying that I, I think the pieces are there. And, and if they're not there, then, oh boy, are they in trouble. But mm-hmm. I, I really think that, that, you know, with a veteran line coach, uh, with with an with an extra year of experience, I do think they should be able to find a five man unit that that works. But uh, again, no OTAs, guys recovering from injuries, uh, maybe moving positions. There's a lot of variables here, but but I think uh, you know the, the ingredients are there for them to figure this out. Yeah, you know, I would say like me being sort of the optimist that I am, I would say like the great thing is. <laughs> And this is a little bit of a reach on my part. The great thing is you have these guys who are coming back from injuries. And Sean had said that he expects everyone to be healthy for training camp. Um, They haven't had any opportunities to get injured in OTAs. True. And yes, guys are coming in and the entire league is going to be somewhat out of shape comparatively because gyms are closed and they haven't been able to work out at facilities, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's a lot of like home workouts, a lot of guys who are, um, especially up front trying to keep weight on somehow. Um, but right. it's, but, but have it be functional weight. And so that's that there's a danger there, um, in terms of getting guys back on the field too quickly, particularly some of these heavier guys up front. But at the same time, there hasn't been the opportunity to, expose yourself to the possibility of injury yet and so that's and then you know with the preseason being truncated that will also remain true and so you're basically like they're gonna they're gonna establish who they think it will be and then that sort of adjustment will will still come through the season now for me and I know that you know again I could be completely wrong about this (laughs) for me I think it'll be Andrew Whitworth um, Joe Noteboom at left guard. Um, 
I think that I think that Austin Blythe will be your center. And can you see where I'm going with this, Rich? Because I, I know I, I disagreed with you on some of it. I think Evans <laughs> is your right guard, and I think they, I think they're going to continue to go with Havenstein at right tackle. And I know that that was a little, a little tricky at right tackle last year. Right. I, I think the three positions that that you need to key on, if you're the Rams, are, are left tackle, center, and and right tackle. Now they're they're obviously good at, at left tackle with Andrew Whitworth, and um, I agree. You know, not having the off season you, when you have a 38 year old left tackle, it, it can't hurt. You don't need to worry about that guy. He's going to show up in shape. Um, right. So yeah. <laughs> he's he's, <good>. he's, <laughs> he's fine. He's fine. Center, I, I think recommitting to Austin Blythe as they did. I think it's clear mm-hmm. indication that's where they want him to play. Uh, people get on Austin Blythe. I'd urge them, if they have some time here, watch the second half of the season. Watch the way he played at center. It was much different, much better than he played at guard. I think they feel pretty good about that. And then I agree with you, Jordan, at right tackle with with Rob Havenstein. There was some things, you know, just the general instability, maybe an injury issue. I don't think that was his best um, situation. Uh, so right. I, I think you go back to him and give him another shot. So then you've got three p- pretty good rocks there. And and I'm not saying the guard positions aren't important, uh, but, but what you have is you have, if you're a guard there, you have, you have one rock on, on both sides of you. Yeah. Um, so, so they can kind of, you know, left guard. I'm not sure the only reason I would say maybe not note boom is just I don't know where his recovery is from a pretty serious knee injury. Yeah. Um, so if there's any question there, I, I think you could see potentially Austin Corbett, you know, still being that starter in the short term, at least at the start of the season. And then right guard for me is just a, a, a wide open uh, <laughs> and, you know, kind of may, may the best man win kind of situation where you're talking about Bobby Evans. Or, or David Edwards or, you know, whoever else might be able to uh, compete at that spot. I, I think that would be a very interesting uh, competition. But but I think having those three positions, if you feel good about left tackle, center, and right tackle, then, then I think it's easier to sort out those other two positions. Yeah, and, you know, Havenstein, you kind of – it's he's kind of inked there, right, because he's got the big cap hit this year, and you're yeah. not going to pay a guy like $8.5 million to sit, um, especially if you know that he was working through injuries last year and he could be more consistent. Um, the thing about Joe Noteboom at left guard that I like uh, – and, I could, by the way, I completely agree with you on, on pretty much everything else. Um, the thing about Joe Noteboom that I like – is coming off of that knee injury, um, if you play guard, you do more up-down quick burst movement than you do lateral. Sure. And so if, you have, if you're coming back from a knee, knee injury and you're trying to work back in at tackle, which I do, by the way, think that they need to start figuring out who the heir to Andrew Whitworth will ultimately be because you have to develop that guy and that takes a couple of years um, unless you can somehow, you know strike gold twice and find like an Andrew Whitworth on the free agency market, which is not likely. Um, but you know, back to Nopum, like if you're trying to get him back to health and, and you are, you still think that even at maybe 90%, he's a better option for you, um, than a fully healthy, you know, whoever else it could be, then you play him at left guard and see how he does because you know that that also is going to take a little bit of the strain off of the knee because he's not moving laterally as much. He's more moving um, horizontally, et cetera, up down movements instead of um, having to kind of have that, that wide, wide span footwork that you often see from tackles. And so that to me might make him a, an interesting option at left guard, um, especially if they think that he can do it. However, does that then take away from any development if they would like to try him at tackle at some point? That's the that's the question here. Yeah, you, you're definitely operating on a couple fronts. You, you need to keep that left tackle, you know, future in in mind. And if if you're the Rams and you do think that that potential replacement is internal, uh, then then you have to keep that in mind. You have to think about that player's development too. So. 
you know, I, I agree, Jordan. I maybe it's I'm I'm just thinking maybe week one versus week three potentially oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. to where you know if if you're not a hundred percent sure that that Joe is is ready for that week one game, then maybe you put Corbett in there and you know give uh, Joe another couple weeks to to develop. But I, I would say certainly you know by by mid season, I, I would expect somebody else to be feel, filling that that left guard position. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see. The thing is that they had so many issues with last year is how inconsistent they were, and that was a lot of times due to injury is they had to be inconsistent on the line. And so that inconsistency is so terrible um, for a quarterback and also for your fellow linemen because if you're inconsistent that way, you have a new guy next to you, it automatically means more on you to do um, to sort of bring that guy up to speed. And so that was such a pain for them last year in terms of not being able to establish that continuity week over week for for quite some time and so I think that um they liked like you said and you've been saying um you know for for a really long time at this point Rich as I think they liked they liked what they saw by the end of the season and they knew that the guys that they liked to plug in to the things that they liked Uh, on the line and I'm starting to talk in circles now but they (laughs) they really they liked what they saw and they liked the guys who were coming back from injury and so they thought okay well we don't we don't see any better value than that in the draft and we don't see especially with our later round picks which is what they were going to have to spend on the guys like we don't see anybody who could come in and potentially replace one of the guys that we already have and so that was sort of the reality of the situation that they were in and now it's like you need to keep these guys healthy through however long this season is going to be. You need to keep these guys healthy and you need to make sure that they're repping next to each other um, as often as possible because you're losing all of this time right now where they could be doing so. But the optimist in me says (laughs) at least they're not injured yet. There you go. That's uh, there's always a positive to to come there's out of every situation. There's always a positive. Situation. Yeah. Yeah. So well, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating training camp battle for sure. Yeah, and you know, I think that um, the other thing to be excited about is is how all the pieces come together. That also means defense. And I know, you know, make sure you guys tune into our next episode of 11 Personnel. We will be breaking down the defense, and this is going to be exciting. Brandon Staley, I think a lot of people in the league. Um, are excited to see what he's going to do. Um, In the meantime, thank you so much for listening and subscribing. Make sure you leave a review. We're a little biased. We think you should leave a five-star review, but, you know, it's your call. And (laughs) um, follow us on Twitter at Jordan Rodriguez at Rich Hammond. And thank you so much for subscribing and listening. 